Well, good morning. Let's, um, let me just pray before I start. Father God, we just thank you that you desire to be our strength, our portion, our deliverer, our strong tower and ever-present help in time of need. So Lord, I know and I thank you that you can be that this morning. And Lord, so as I give this message that I believe you've given me this morning, Lord, that people would hear your voice, that your spirit would be speaking to them. And so I would commit this to you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, never expected to be up here doing this, I can just tell you that. But um, God is very gracious, as we know. And um, I've titled the message this morning, Treasuring and Pondering What Mary Treasured and Pondered, Jesus. As I, as I was preparing, I thought, oh, okay, so when did Mother's Day actually start? So, as you do, I went to Wikipedia. And um, according to Wikipedia, they tell me that in the Catholic Church, the Mother's Day holiday is strongly associated with revering the Virgin Mary. Apparently, in some Catholic homes, families have a special shrine devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And there is even a special prayer service in honour of Mary, the Mother of God. It then went on to talk about in America a bit later in 1908, Anna Jarvis held a memorial service for her mother at St Andrew's Methodist Church in West Virginia. Her mother, Anne Reeves Jarvis, had died in 1905 and she'd been a peace activist who'd cared for wounded, sol wounded soldiers on both sides of the American Civil War and had created Mother's Day work clubs to address public health issues. So Anna Jarvis wanted to honour her mother by continuing the work she'd started and to set, a, a, a set aside a day to honour all mothers because she believed mother, a, a mother is the person who's done more for you than anyone else in the world. US Congress originally rejected a proposal to make Mother's Day an official holiday, joking that they would also have to proclaim a mother-in-law's day. Remember that, guys? <laughs> However, by 1911, all US states observed the holiday. Here in Australia, the tradition of giving gifts to mothers on Mother's Day was started by Janet Hayden, a resident of a suburb in Sydney, in 1924. She began the tradition during a visit to a patient at the Newington State Home for Women, where she met many lonely and forgotten mothers. To cheer them up, she rounded up support from local school children and businesses to donate and bring gifts to the women. Every year thereafter, Mrs Hayden raised increasing support for the project from local businesses and even from the local mayor. And as we now know, the day has since become quite commercialised. 
Now, at this point, I just want to reiterate what Mark had said um, through the pastoral prayer that, and just acknowledge that we know that Mother's Day can be really difficult for some people for many different reasons, and I'm not going to go into any of those reasons now because whatever that is, that will be significant for you. But just please know that you are loved and valued. And, um, and one thing I'm not going to do today, or I don't think I am, um, I'm not going to be puffing mothers up today but actually looking at one mother in particular, and as I mentioned at the start, Mary, and what she treasured and pondered. So these thoughts for me started happening as I was preparing for Easter. So it was actually way back in, what, Easter was April, so probably back in March. And I was drawn, I was preparing for Easter, but I was drawn back to Jesus' birth. For me, the two are pretty much, it's hard to separate them. It's like a package deal. And as I was reflecting on this verse from Luke chapter 2, it really resonated with me. Being a mother of two girls and knowing that Mother's Day was coming up, um, I really started to reflect on Mary as a young mother. So as I was thinking about this verse, Mary treasuring up, all these things and pondering them in her heart, I began to wonder, firstly, what exactly was it that Mary was treasuring and pondering? As well as looking up Wikipedia, I actually like to look up words in the dictionary at times to see how many different meanings there can be, because sometimes we can have a thought in our head and it might not be what that true meaning can be, and things can change over time. Um, like the word wicked, for instance. Now, back when I was growing up, wicked was evil and morally wrong. Everyone agree with that? Yep, what about those under 25? Right, I'm sure that you could tell me it has a different meaning. What's wicked to you? Those are the, that are under 25, what do you know the word wicked to mean? Anyone? Sick? <laughs> okay, yeah, fully sick. Oh, that's just another whole area. <laughs> Sick was how I was feeling before I got up here today. <laughs> another one? Someone? Awesome. What was that? Awesome? Yep, yeah, awesome, excellent, wonderful, all those things. But anyway, when I looked up these two words, treasure and ponder, I wasn't disappointed by a different meaning. So what I had thought, um, treasure was said to be kept carefully, valued, or held close to the heart. And that's probably the one that I'm thinking of more today, holding close to the heart when I think of the word treasure. And pondered is to constantly rethink, think about carefully, consider something deeply and thoroughly, and meditate. So with these meanings in mind, just what was it, again, that Mary was treasuring, holding close to her heart, and pondering, what was she considering deeply? So, firstly, what do we know about Mary? So, just bear with me in this, because you might feel like you're going back to the Christmas story. So, Mary was an ordinary young Jewish woman of Nazareth, a virgin, pledged to be married to Joseph, a carpenter, who was a descendant of King David. The angel Gabriel... Had, was sent to her to notify her that she'd found favour with God, that she would have a son and she was to give him the name Jesus. 
She queried this because she was a virgin and was told that she would become pregnant from the Holy Spirit. She was also notified that her much older relative, Elizabeth, who'd not been able to have children, was actually six months pregnant and was told that nothing was impossible for God. Now, after initially being afraid and having legitimate questions, Mary's final response to the angel was, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, we get some more information about how Joseph responded. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, back then, being engaged was as binding as marriage, so this is why he'd actually said that he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this was many, many, many years prior to Mary and Joseph being in this position. And Mary and Joseph would have been well aware of this prophecy. But I think we can safely say that Mary was not expecting that virgin to be with child, to be her. So back to Joseph. When he woke up from his dream, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary home as his wife. He had no union with her until she gave birth to, their son, to the son. And they gave him the name Jesus. Now, the first verse that we, um, in Luke that we hear about Mary treasuring and pondering these things, she's actually given birth to Jesus, and it was just after the shepherds had been to visit. Now, the shepherds were a bit of a motley crew, and they were out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. They were told they would find him lying in a manger. Then a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. We're told that when the shepherds had seen baby Jesus, they spread the word concerning all what had been told to them about this child, and all that heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. And it's at this point that we hear 
that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, this is quite a lot for a young Mary to ponder. She was considering deeply. There were several visits from angels. So firstly to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, then Mary herself, then Joseph, then the shepherds. All this in itself was a lot to try and fully grasp without adding to the fact that this baby that you've just given birth to and are now holding in your arms is actually God who created the universe in the flesh. And even sometimes for us, that can be hard to get our heads around. Those of you who can remember being a mum for the first time will no doubt remember the emotional roller coaster that it can be. But I would imagine that those emotions would be multiplied for Mary. Remember, she was a virgin, engaged to be married to Joseph. The angel visits, tells her she's found favour with God and that she was going to give birth to a son that she's conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit and they were to give him the name Jesus. I think that was probably a really good thing because I know when we were thinking of baby names, you know, that was, um, could be quite difficult. Um, so that was a blessing, a real blessing for them, wasn't it, that they already had the name picked out. Um, he was great, he would be great, and called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. What pressure. But Mary trusted God and treasured she valued these things and held them close to her heart. So, a mother's responsibility. When I was a young mum, I have to admit, I felt some pressure as I became aware that my children were a gift from God and that Leon and I had a responsibility to bring them up in the best way possible. We believed in God and even made a commitment quietly to accept what Jesus had done for me personally on the cross. But we were not attending church anywhere at the time when I had my first daughter. I was not reading my Bible. Life was just busy. Didn't have time for it. I'd much rather sleep in on a Sunday morning uh, as I'd gone back to work full time and those mums that work full time will know what that's like. But by the time I was about to give birth to my second child, I recognised that I needed help with this parenting thing and maybe church was the place that I could get that help. Well, we did get the help we needed but it was more for ourselves or for myself <laughs> um, than what I imagined for my girls because it was my relationship that needed to be developed and deepened with Jesus so that I could be the mother that he desired me to be to my girls even though they would probably tell you that we were far too strict. <laughs> Yesterday, as I was looking at Instagram, I saw a quote that a friend put up and it said, my kids don't need to see a super mum, they need to see a mum who needs a super God. Generally, as mums, we desire to protect our children and train them up in the way they should go. And especially as Christian parents, we want to see our children in personal relationship with Jesus. We do our best to bring them up, to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. If I felt like that, can you imagine how Mary must have felt? She'd just given birth to Jesus. She was now the mother of God. 
my mum often says, and even still now, not only when my kids were young, but she still tells me now, being a mum is the hardest job in the world. And it's probably more her thinking of that with me <laughs> um, than the other way around. But um, yeah, it's not easy and we don't have a manual always. There's lots of things out there, isn't there? But you know, sometimes there can be too much information, particularly these days. But for what I've found, it's always best to be pressing into the Lord and getting our help from him. Now, those mothers out there who've got grown-up children, how many times have you said to a young mum, oh, treasure these times, well, they're little because they grow up far too quickly. Um, you may not have exactly said it that way, but I know I've said those things recently, and I remember as a young mum those things being said to me and sort of thinking, yeah, sure, this is never going to end. <laughs> um, but I have to say, I definitely did treasure and held my baby girls close to my heart. <sighs> Need my water. <laughs> As our plan and timing to have a baby was not what God had in store for us, we had to wait and end up getting medical help to conceive our firstborn. And as I said earlier, my relationship with God was nothing even close to what I understand Mary was at the time. None of us will ever have an experience like Mary did. In our struggles to conceive, I remember being angry with God, especially as other family members um, who'd not been married as long as we had seemed to conceive really easily. And I have to be honest, I even wondered if I was being punished by God for some of my rebellious teenage antics. As I've come to know God more, I know that this is not true. I know he sees the bigger picture. And even though I may not fully understand why it took us so long to conceive our first, or why I had an ectopic pregnancy between my two daughters, I have come to understand that we have a choice to allow the difficulties in our lives to make us bitter or better. And I've no, in no way have I perfected this. I'm a work in progress, as we all are. And some things are just really hard. But some of the most difficult struggles in my life have prompted me to seek God more and ask the big questions. Why did God choose to come into the world as a human baby? Why did he have to die on the cross? And when you choose to ponder on these things, constantly rethink about them and think about them deeply, then you need to make a choice. We have a choice to reject everything that's been witnessed and written about Jesus, or we can accept what he's done for each and every one of us, because we can never make ourselves right with a holy God. In Romans, we're told that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. But the good news is, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, Mary and Joseph had an awesome responsibility in raising Jesus. We don't have a lot of information about Jesus when he was young, we hear that Mary and Joseph took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, 
as it was written in the law of the Lord, as the firstborn male was to be consecrated to the Lord. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 51, tells us, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, I probably said that wrong, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She'd never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary have done everything that re required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. So this is the second time we hear about Mary treasuring these things. 
So from what we understand from this passage about Jesus as a young child and how Mary and Joseph raised him, we see that they took him to the temple to present him to the Lord, to be dedicated, as, and as the firstborn, they were aware that he would serve God throughout his life. I imagine when Jesus was old enough, Mary explained to him of his divine conception and the visit from the angel Gabriel, the visits from the shepherds and what they were told about him by another angel, the star, the magi or the wise men, however you know them, them visiting with gifts, the visit to the temple when they dedicated him to God for God's work, and the things that they were told from Simeon and Anna. And just helping Jesus understand who he was and the plan for his life, even though she didn't fully understand that plan herself. Then we hear that while in Nazareth, Jesus grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. The next part we hear is Jesus as a 12-year-old boy heading with his friends and family to Jerusalem for the Passover. But after the feast was over and his parents were returning home, Jesus stayed behind. Now, if you've ever lost a child or had one run away from home, you may understand some of the fear and anxiety that Mary and Joseph would have been going through at that time when they discovered Jesus was missing. Remembering this is no ordinary child. Um, they thought he was in their group. Um, they were on their way back to Nazareth. Maybe they thought he was hanging, hanging out with his friends or even his relatives, Zechariah and Elizabeth and their son, John. But when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him and it took them another three days. So four days in all. I just can't imagine what that would have been like for them, not knowing. When they finally find him, he says to them, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Now at 12 years of age, the boys began preparing to take their place in the religious community the following year. And it seems that Jesus was aware of his unique relationship to God because everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So he couldn't see what the problem was. But he went back to Nazareth with them and was obedient to his earthly parents. Got that, kids? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just after this that we hear for the second time that Mary treasured all these things in her heart now. I don't think it was the fact that they didn't know where Jesus was for four days that Mary was treasuring. I'm sure that was one of her most anxious moments probably in her life. Um, I'm sure it was more about hearing what he was saying to the religious leaders at the temple and just his wisdom from his communion with God. Mary knew who her son was and even though there were many prophecies in the Old Testament, I don't think she really comprehended the suffering he would endure later on the end of his earthly ministry. But she definitely treasured what she did know and who he was. Just like to take a moment, we've got a song and it's one that you might know, you, again, you might have heard it at Christmas time. And just really think about the words and, and um, yeah, maybe for mums, even put yourself in Mary's place in this and for dads or men, Joseph's place, 
And as we just uh, listen and think of this song, thanks.
Mary, did you know? So I asked you to just think about being in Mary and Joseph's position, thinking about that, but how about thinking about seeing Jesus on the cross? He's done that for each and every one of us. What did Mary know? I remember having a conversation with um, Rex Haywood many years ago saying, I would love to see and know just what God had in store down the track. And his very wise response to me was, no, you wouldn't. (laughs) God only reveals to us what we can cope with at the time. And um, that's something that I've really remembered and um, it goes for many, many, many things. Um, If you'd have said to me, 10 years ago, even 12 months ago, that you'd have seen me up here today speaking to you. It would have been no way. But that's all beside the point. But, you know, if Mary knew the suffering that her son would face, would she have tried to have stepped in and stop it? I know if I was there in her position, I think I would have tried to. Um, As parents, we want to protect our children from suffering and heartache. But God had a bigger plan. It was a plan to save all his people, to save all people from their sins. It was a plan of love and grace and a way for all people, not just the Jews, to be welcomed into his kingdom for eternity. We don't have time today to talk about all the rest of Jesus' life, which led to his purpose for coming to earth and and even to that point of where we saw him on the cross. You can read about it yourselves in the Gospels and some of you will probably know it quite well. But yeah, the, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And if you've got questions, think about Alpha. That's a good place that you can explore those things. But one more thing I would like to um, look at is God's big picture. Last Sunday we heard about Jesus being taken up to heaven after his resurrection and spending time preparing his disciples to continue spreading the word about him. He told them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for the gift his father had promised. We hear that in Acts chapter 1. He told his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them and that he would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. It was quite dramatic. The disciples were all together when they suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire come and rest on each of them. And up to this point, The Holy Spirit was only given to certain people and sometimes for just a certain period of time. But all of them at that point were filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter addresses the crowd who'd gathered and reminds them of what the prophet Joel spoke about. I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We were created to be in a relationship with God, 
but sin separated us from a holy God. God entered into the world as Jesus, lived a blameless life, and gave us an example to live by. Then he willingly gave himself up as a perfect sacrifice, once and for all, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And he sent his spirit so we wouldn't have to figure out this new Christian life on our own. Jesus' sacrifice for us is a beautiful example of humility. So how will you treasure and ponder Jesus this week? Let's treasure and ponder all he means to us, holding carefully in our hearts his promise while remembering all that he's done for us and thinking deeply of God's great love for us. All he requires of us is to accept him and turn our eyes to him. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your perfect plan. We may not always totally understand it, but we know that you are a gracious God, you are a loving God, and that as Jesus intercedes for us, we can trust you. We thank you that we live in this time and not in Old Testament times of sacrificing animals, but all we need to do is turn our eyes to Jesus, the one who gave his life once and for all, so that we do not have to perish and suffer the punishment of sin that each and every one of us deserve. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.